6th of November, 1999, Mountaineer Field, Morgantown, West Virginia. Trailing 2019 with under a minute to go in the fourth quarter, Michael Vick took his Hokies 58 yards in seven plays to set Shane Graham up for the game winner. This is the miracle in Morgantown. Hello, and welcome to Games with Names, presented by WinBet. I'm Julian Edelman. I'm Sam Morrell. We're here searching for the greatest games of all time. All time in today's episode, great game, Virginia Tech versus the West Virginia Mountaineers. November 6, 1999, for the Battle of the Black Diamond Trophy. And our guest, Michael Vick. First thoughts. I mean, just Michael Vick being fast as hell. Elusive, quick, incredible. My first thought is he stepped up in the pocket like a pocket passer when you watch these games. Like, he get that long drop back, step up, let that DN get up there, and keep his eyes downfield. I mean, everyone always has this notion and this 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 re, this thought concept that freaking Michael Vick is a guy that used to just take off and run, but he was slinging that thing. People forget how strong of arm he had. Oh yeah, I mean, that, no question. And also, you're watching this kid, and you're like, this he doesn't know he's about to be an icon, absolute icon. We were doing our little research. We were watching the Nike commercials he's in. You're watching the Madden covers he's in. You're seeing all the magazines he's on. I mean, he was an absolute icon, like you said. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think of Madden. I think of the video games. I think, like, everywhere. The commercials. Everything. You know what I think of? I think of the sideburns. It was the first time people used to thin out their sideburns. And I used to go to my guy and I'd be like, yo, can you give me the Michael Vick sideburns and give him a little thin, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Remember they used to like thin them out a yes. little and it'd be like a little V. Yeah. Like, hey, yeah, can I get the Michael Vick sideburns? Guy looked at me like, yeah, all right, dude, we'll give you those. <laughs> as long as you stopped at the sideburns and then get the, the, the braids. Uh, the braids. I mean, that was insane too. He yeah. always had the cornrows. Oh, yeah. That was like him and Iverson, both from the seven cities, both from the seven cities. Both elusive quick as hell and huge huge as icons yeah it's pretty crazy that the four years because he i think michael vick man we'll we got to get iverson on here i want the i want iverson on here for the step over game game one against the lakers they lost the series but that was iconic we could probably I, get him actually because and let's get Ty Lu on with him the guy he steps over Come on, that'd be fun as hell. It'd be very fun. But you know what else is fun? What? Going over November 6th in 1999. On this day, in America, The Bone Collector was the, the number, number one, one movie. I, was that with uh, Morgan Freeman? No, it was Denzel. Denzel? Yeah, De Denzel Washington. I remember that a little. Young Angelina Jolie. Young Angelina. Smoking hot. That Denzel plays a, he plays, a, I think, a, he's, a detective. Yeah, but he's bed. he's bedridden. That he has to use his mind to find the murderer. A quadriplegic ex-homicide detective and his partner try to track down a serial killer terrorizing New York. We've, that's it, a bummer. It, it's, that's a tough way to live, you know? Yeah. That's when you, you look at yourself and you think you had a hard day and you say, man, 
It ain't that hard. Yeah, it's yeah. really not. It really isn't. Also, number one song, Smooth by Santana. Was that with uh, Matchbox? Yeah, Rob Thomas. Rob Thomas. Yeah, that's a great tune. Cool lyrics. This life ain't good enough, right? For I you. can hear. Yeah. I actually sat next to him at a party, we at uh, the Clive Davis party once, him Whoa. and his wife. Had an absolute great time. Wonderful people. Yeah, he's Santana's a legend. He, uh, I mean, this song is literally like, the woman in this song he's talking about sounds unpleasant. I don't remember the lyrics. As Pull up you, the lyrics. It's, it's something like, uh, this life is, I, I'd give up my something. It, look it up, because I'm going to butcher it, but it's like, yeah, zoom in a little bigger. A little bigger. Uh, and you said, this life ain't good enough. I would, I would give my world to lift you up. I could change my life to better suit your mood. Who is this woman you're with? She sounds like a nightmare. That's a high maintenance. That's that's high maintenance uh, in the high maintenance category where, you know, maybe you got to you got to move on. You got to move on or you got to write a banger. I mean, I think he, he won all kinds of awards for this album. So who wrote it? Was it Santana or was it Rob Thomas? It's a good question. Let's look that up. I, I'm, I'm sure it's Santana. If it's by Santana, that means it was. It's got to be. They're giving Santana the writing credit. It looks like Rob Thomas is getting featured artist. Oh, they all right. Thank you, Jack. Once again, coming up. The, ri- the ridiculous trends. Pokemon Ma- cards. I never I never collected them. I was more of a Pogs kid. Pogs had a minute. What, what was that, like second grade for you? Yeah, I think so. Second, third, fourth. Yeah, Pogs with the Slammer. Yeah, the Slammer. I remember that briefly for sure. Uh, I never did that. Tech decks? I don't know what that is. Even that's a little skateboard where you'd have it with your fingers and you do you try to do an ollie. Never, never tried it. I, I I remember seeing these. I remember vividly. Like I had friends that could do like kickflips and stuff. I, it just showed that my my finger dexterity was not there to do even kickflips on a tech deck. You figured it out. I've seen all the dates you've been on. You figured out that finger dexterity. <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of Mambo Number Five, Lou Bega. This song was literally just about a guy who fucks a lot. He was just naming women. It was a good song. Great song, but it mean, but it's literally like how do you how do you meet a woman after this and be like, yes, I'm a one woman man. What's that song in the background? It that's crazy that this was that long ago. I know. I remember that song was on the radio like crazy. Everywhere. Those one-hit bands, some of them like, he is it fair to call him a one-hit guy? I mean, in music, not in the romance department, clearly. But, uh, I mean, remember bands like uh, How Bizarre? Dun, 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 dun. How Bizarre? How Bizarre? Or what about Macarena? <laughs> that was a phenom. That- <laughs> <laughs> that was the least enthusiastic Macarena of all time. Well, it reminded me of remember when Austin Powers yes. did it. He's like, <laughs> that was oh, that's talking about classics. I miss that. Fight Club premiered November 11th this year. Amazing movie. We've already like probably haven't we referenced that like 20 times in our podcast? It's I mean it's hard not to reference our age. I remember watching that a bootleg. On a bootleg VHS, while my seventh grade friend was smoking a cigarette, 
uh, trying to be cool like Helena Bonham Carter as she smoked the cigarette in that movie. Yeah. Brad Pitt was shredded. Ed Norton was the man. Like, I didn't get it until I turned like at least 16. Yeah. No, I didn't I, we get definitely it. Didn't get I didn't it. understand that that was, they were, it was, I didn't understand it. Yeah. So did they actually fight? I st- I'm still confused. I, I don't, I have no idea. It looked cool. It, David Fincher's a great director. And I like soap, homemade soaps. And that's what they did. Remember, they would steal homemade soap material. Or and it something? was the explosives, right? Yeah, it was explosives. And also, I mean, that Pixie song at the end, stylish as hell, badass movie. I, I, I think I heard it was either Ed Norton or Brad Pitt in the podcast say they turned to each other at the premiere, not knowing what they were walking into. And as the credits rolled, they were like, "That's the coolest movie I've ever been in." <laughs> that's gotta be. That's gotta feel pretty cool. That's gotta be insane. I mean, that that was a like that was a like a phenom type movie for our like childhood like everyone knew fight club that was when brad pitt was the coolest dude ever he was in like every movie edward norton was fucking the same thing and and to have those two collab and make this like really just cool edgy type movie it was something that was that was fun freaks and geeks that was a great show apatow wait wait who was it linda carlini yes well done linda carlini we're pop culture fucking legends right now dude look at us only reason i know linda carlini i i wouldn't i i kind of because she was she's from my hometown Ooh. and so there's like a, a mix of circles where i think she knew one of my i think she was like related to my dad's my mom's like ex-boyfriend in high school and i remember my mom and dad ta- getting in a fight and i don't know something about that i don't know maybe too much information <laughs> who wants to be a millionaire but by the way one more thing about linda cardellini i believe i could be wrong here jack you might need to fact check this but i believe jason siegel getting dumped by her led him to write for getting sarah marshall we're gonna need a fact check on that but we talk about, you know, bad things leading to good things a lot in this podcast. And Rob Tove. You know. I, 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 well, let's, who wants to be a millionaire? Regis, R.I.P. R.I.P. Legend. Love Regis. Can you call a friend? Yeah. That was big. 50-50? I, I used to love that. Can I get a, can I get a lifeline? It's huge. And then they tried to like kind of go further with the weakest link. And I was like, all right. Remember, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. And you're like, it's, let's get out of here. We you're did. the weakest link. Regis was he was the man R.I.P. Regis this is also R.I.P. to Walter Payton who died at 45 unbelievable that was terrible yeah it was a cancer he had yeah I think it was some kind of weird cancer yeah you know he was that's sad to see he he always had one of those electric like room glaring smiles that everyone was just contagious to and he was just a fucking beast on the football field uh sports world Wayne the Great Gretzky, is that is that right, Kyler? Like, was it, can I say it like that? But uh, he went into the Hall of Fame. Tiger Woods wins his fourth straight PGA Tour event. This, this is a cool time. Tiger on top of the golf world. I mean, like, was it? Would you th- was Tiger out pooning yet, or do you think he was still a golf focused dude mm, right now? I think this could have been mid heyday of that. Really? Yeah. I mean, nineteen ninety nine. When did he get his first win? Like ninety six, ninety seven. So he's, you know, Stanford kid. Yeah. Can you imagine how good it felt after just playing golf for like 17 years straight? He's like, oh my God, vagina? This is way better than golf. Yeah. Clear the old uh, fairway. I'm bringing out the seven iron. That's what he was saying a lot, I bet. (laughs) (laughs) Not to mention like, it's got to be like when those Amish kids come to 
like New York City and it's their rumspringer. That must have been what just getting laid constantly felt like for Tiger. He was like, this was not happening <laughs> at Stanford with the big glasses. But now I'm crushing tours, winning, you know, major events. This is, this is, I've arrived. He was crushing a whole lot of things at that time of his life. <laughs> and uh, what were we thinking about at this time, Sam? What were, you, what were you doing, 1999? I was 13. I was a kid. I mean, I, I what was I doing? I, I was probably playing JV basketball and smoking weed. That was probably my life. I mean, it's, how about you? Yeah, I don't, I, I was like, what, I was 13 too? Yeah. I was just playing sports, being a kid, running around, being a knucklehead. Having my mom yell at me, having my dad chase me with the belt every once in a while, you know, just my mom would do a lot of the, you know, when I'd be in trouble yelling, there's some nights we're proud of you. Tonight wasn't one of them. <laughs> or I get a lot of my mom going, Samuel, that's how I know I'm in trouble. When she goes, Samuel, no one, no one calls you Samuel when things are good. No one's like, fuck me, Samuel. You know, it's, you're getting scolded. It depends. Yeah, know, depends on what fetishes people. Some people like that, you know, maybe the full front name. Some women have a have a full name fetish. You never know. I tell you right now, I when I used to hear Julian Francis, I used to just <laughs> get terrified. <laughs> Julian oh, Francis. They're going to go the other way. Yeah. Oh my God, Julian Francis. I'm not going to say I haven't heard it. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Let's oh, get man. into these goddamn teams, Sam. Get your fucking mind out of the gutter. I'm sorry. I'm Jeez, sorry. 19, I'm dragging us down. 1999 Virginia Tech Hokies. Yeah. 11 1. Went into the national championship 11 0. Coached by the Frank Beamer and Beamer, Beamer Ball. Ball. Beamer Ball. 7 0 entering this game. This was a big rivalry game for the Black Diamond Trophy. Played in the Big East. Had some crazy notable wins. I think 16 against Syracuse, 22 against BC to have the undefeated season going into the natty. Uh, and then they lost in the national championship to old Chris Winky, who bounced back as a 28-year-old, you know, which I've never been a fan of. I've never been a fan of that. You want to know why? Because there was a guy when I went to Kent State University, he was like 28 years old. He was a starting quarterback at the time. I won't leave him no names. I won't give him no names. But you can look it up. And... He just kind of like punked me. I was like 19 years old in a new part of the country, California kid in Ohio. And this guy was just a complete asshole. I, I, I didn't I didn't I didn't like it. And you're like, dude, you're an adult. Literally. You're like, you, it's, he's like the McConaughey and dazed and confused trying to punk you. 100 percent. Literally just. Tried to use those older antics on you, you know, he. I wonder what he's doing now, though, dude. Selling insurance, probably. I bet he's not a three-time Super Bowl champion with the New England Patriots. Nah, he's actually a smart guy. He's probably doing pretty well. He's, I think he's he's married, and you know, I, I wish him nothing but the best. I thought we were trashing him. Why did you bring it around like that? What the hell? You know, because you know when we I went full on trash mode for you. Yeah, but now I look like the asshole. Nah, you know, I was the asshole at the time. We were all young, dumb, and full <laughs> of cum, and <laughs> it's one of those things where. You learn a lot in this podcast, as as you guys will see when we interviewed Ricky Ricky Williams. Some guy banged his girlfriend, the yeah. starting quarterback, and he had nothing but great things to say about him. And Applewood, Applewood, Applewhite. Sorry, Applewood we still can't sound, get his name right. Applewood sounds better. So Beamer Ball, which was a huge term for the Virginia Tech Hokies of this generation, which they played unbelievable defense, special teams, scoring. And that's what he was always known for. They blocked kicks left and right. 
their starters played special teams, and uh, the special teams were <laughs> ran by the head coach. So, you know, that, that was the whole Beamer ball. What about these 1999 West Virginia Mountaineers? Four and seven. Nothing Ooh. Nothing super impressive. Coached by uh, Don Nealon. Mm-hmm. Played in the Big East. Three and five entering the game. Of course, you know the name Mark Bolger. They had Jerry Porter. Down year for the Mountaineers. Uh, it was the second to last season of the Don Nealon era, and uh, they were coming off three straight bowl seasons. So things we remember, I mean, Michael Vick bowled out that year. Michael Vick, he, I mean, he rushed for over 609 TDs, passed for over 2,013 TDs, and he was a redshirt freshman. Like, that's that's great. That's that's pretty insane to have that from, a, like, a young football player who didn't even play the year before, who said he got banged up in the middle of the year, didn't have an ankle. His ankle was all hurt. Uh, he rushed for over 600 yards with nine touchdowns, passed for 2,000 yards with 13 touchdowns, all as a redshirt freshman. That's impressive for a 19-year-old to come in first time he's played at a Division One level and lead his team to a natty. Yeah. A nasty, nasty natty. Third in Heisman voting, Ron Dane won that year. Ron Dane. Ron Dane, former Giant. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Thunder and lightning. Hey, I mean, Tiki had like a few great years with the Giants. He did. Tiki, they're good football players, yeah, good yeah. team. It just it hits my heart a little bit, you know? Could have had four Super Bowls. <laughs> it hurts, but it feels good for me. But Tiki <laughs> wasn't on that team that beat you. Well, he wasn't on either of the team. He left the year before. He did, didn't Tiki he? didn't get the ring. Uh, it was like, you know, Mattingly for the Yankees, one year too soon. Ooh, that's got to hurt. Because he was a big part of that Giants franchise. He was a beast. Oh, my God. Tiki Barber was like, he could he could catch it. He could rush. He was, he, he, there were years when he was fumbly. But once Tom Coughlin came in, he, he fixed that. High and tight. Keep yeah. all three points covered. Got to th- keep three points covered. Yeah. Ball security is job security. Ball Absolutely. security is job security. Things we may have forgotten. This game kept T- VT's national title hopes alive. It was a rivalry game. Yes, it was a shitty, you know, three and five West Virginia team. But when you play in these rivalry games, record doesn't matter. Where you play doesn't matter. The time doesn't matter. All that matters is the guys in between the line trying to fight for the Black Diamond Trophy. And that's what we got. First half by Vic wasn't very good. No. And then. Mark Bolger didn't even play in the second half. He he left the game. Mark Bolger. Mark is Mark Bolger took over for uh for old uh, Kurt Warner. That's Mark right. Mark Bolger, in, Kurt Warner, Louis. Kurt Warner. And then Kurt Warner was still good. They fucked up. They I mean, that was the downfall of the Rams until re- as of recent. Yeah. Now for the gaming corner presented by Winbet. So what do we do for the prop bet this time? We got I, Michael Vick. We got Michael Vick, but we also have Beamer. Mm. How many times can we say Beamer ball? That's the culture, right? I mean, when you think of Virginia Tech, there's two things you think of. Michael Vick and Beamer ball. We have Michael Vick. Now let's get Beamer ball. How many can we hit? Five, five and a half? Is that good? It's going to be tough, but I think we can do to it. To hit six? Yeah, it's going to be a tough one, but let's try it. Let's give it a shot. Let's try it. All right, 
we're going to hear from Michael Vick, Mike Vick, Michael Vick, whatever he wants to be called. But until then, let's take a quick break. And we're joined here on Games with Names presented by WinBet by a fucking legend. An absolute legend. Thanks for having me, man. We got Newport, Virginia. Newport, is it Newport News or is it Newport? Newport News. Is that is that part of the seven cities? Yeah, this part of the seven oh, cities. I know the seven cities. Yeah. We'll get into that. Yeah. Yeah. Number one overall pick. He was the actual video game player that everyone hated playing against. If your boy picked him in Madden, you're like, fuck you. You're cheating. What the fuck yeah. is this? We, you played with it. Like, play with a pocket quarterback. This dude's going to you go, you hit turbo. It was over. That, that was me. I wanted a pocket quarterback. The thing is, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. But let me just give you your, your kudos because you're such a fucking stud. I mean, he like, took the world over. He was like an icon. Still is. And uh, we're about to break down. And then reinvented himself with the Eagles as more of a pocket quarterback. Yeah, he was pocket there, too. We'll get, into that. We'll get into that. Shout out to Andy Reid for that. No doubt. Without a doubt. Maybe possible. But thank you, Mike, for joining us here on Games with Names presented by WinBet. We're going to be going over that infamous West Virginia, Virginia Tech game that you played. Your senior year on that that crazy year, or yeah. fucking not senior year, your redshirt freshman year. Yeah, redshirt freshman. Yeah, I, I know. I'm, I'm tripping. I'm tripping. Yeah. You see what I got on here, dude? What you got on right there? It's bright. Little... Oh yeah, yeah. You see, great minds thinking like you yeah. already know. I, What's I up, said, baby? I said Mike Vick's coming on here. Rep I'm some VT shit. Yeah. Wear some VT shit. Absolutely. See, I got mine on him. I just threw mine on it. I just felt like if it, it went with the fit. It has to. We're about to talk gotta, about it. This is this is to. this is the the founding. This is the foundation of Mike Vick yeah, when he played at yeah. VT. Like you said, being a pocket passer. Like people don't realize when they think of Michael Vick. Oh, he's a running court. No, you see him in the early stages, even back here. He would get these deep ass drops. He'd keep his eyes downfield. He would step up. <laughs> and you see, with a lot of young quarterbacks, what do they do? They want to get up and take off. Not Mike. Mike would flip his hips and he'd use that left arm and sling that thing 80 yards downfield, 45 yards downfield, 35 yards on a crosser over a guy's hand. And he was just an absolute stud. Thank you for joining us, my dude. No doubt, man. I appreciate the kind of words. I Everything I did in those moments, I did it for all my teammates. That's what I say. Like, I, the sacrifice, you know, especially being in college, being young, you know, all you think about, you don't think about playing in the pros, you don't think about next level, just be, think about winning that on that date. You're so number one overall cool. pick, though. You weren't, you weren't thinking, like, I'm, I'm going to be a pro. Nah, you know what? Going into my second year, I started to feel that way, but my primary focus was solely on winning. Um, there were so many things in front of me, hurdles and obstacles of you got to win 10 games to become a Heisman Trophy candidate. So obviously I want to be a Heisman Trophy candidate. I want to win it. So my focus, you know, there was always levels to it. I focus on winning the game, focus on winning the Heisman. It was always something. The pros, I just knew that was a job and I knew it was a hard job. So I had to make sure I was fully prepared before I stepped into that room. It, 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 it's crazy. It, it, well, people don't realize I was a running quarterback in college or a dual threat quarterback. And like the scouting report 
if you were a good ass dual threat quarterback, is you got Vic like tendencies. Mm. And like that was like the standard. If you you were a yeah, kid yeah, yeah. that could throw and run and they said you were a Vic type, like you were over here, it was crazy. And when I went to Kent State in Ohio, I wasn't good enough to play in these big schools like like you guys did. But the sheer fact that we played Virginia Tech on the schedule is the reason why I committed to the school because that's where you went and I was such a crazy fan. Okay. And so we that's actually pretty dope. It was it was awesome. Now why'd you pick Virginia Tech? I don't know. Honestly, I tell everybody that when people ask me why did you pick Virginia Tech? Because I you know, I grew up watching big time college football every Saturday. And I seen the Clemsons and I seen the Notre Dame's and North Carolinas and USC's and that's where my eyes was locked in on old schools and somehow some way Virginia Tech came in they had the right people Coach Beaver spoke the right language he really he really locked arms with my mom like him and my mom became like bestie and when I seen that I was like all right cool he he winned he winned her over he winned me over it's like a relationship you got to make the mom it's a relationship. happy yeah I mean I seen like we treat my mom with a lot of respect, you know, shout out to him. And, and um, I was like, you know, if you do the same for me, I'll probably land on my feet, whether I make it next level or at least I get a degree, give me an opportunity. So, you know, I I just trusted him. It was more about trusting anything. And I think that's big in the recruitment process. It's about trusting the people who sit down with you or your parents and making sure, you know, you, you leave no stones unturned. He did that. Yeah, definitely. And you redshirt your freshman year. You redshirt freshman year. You come out. This is 1999 season. You guys start trickulating these wins. You guys start compounding these great games. All of a sudden, you know, Virginia Tech was always a good program. But yeah. then all of a sudden you started hearing these natty vibes. And, yeah. and, and you come in and you play a West Virginia team that's not really anything special. But once again, if you, you people that play in rivalry games it doesn't matter what r records you guys have yeah. so like when you come into this game are you like we're gonna blow these fools out or, or what was going through the mind nah, you know every game to me was it was so intense and my, I've always felt like my preparation had to supersede anything like okay I could go out there and I can get stopped I can take off and try to run for a 10 yard game and get tackled for a game to seven but if I'm mentally shocked and I'm feeling good I, I know and relied on my instincts that, you know, I can I can really progress the team down the field in the past the game. So I started looking at it as the opposite. Like, if I can pass the ball just as good as I can run it, we'll move the ball down the field a lot quicker. So I put a lot of pressure on myself to just really be great in like every moment. But it, it started with my with my prep. I felt like if I came out of the film room, and went into the game knowing exactly what they was going to do. Okay, you'll trick me here and there. You'll get me a couple of times. You know, that's the game. If I can persevere and I can over overcome like 85% of that, we've been in the game. And like I led the nation in passing efficiency. Like I just tried to put a lot of time into my preparation. Julian, you know what that's about. I, preparation, that's a word that, hey man, that's the cornerstone of your success and all the people around you for sure. Preparation creates confidence. That's that's where you get your confidence from is is through the practice reps, the preparation. I mean, even for the both of y'all, just to make this show great, 
Got to be prepped. Thanks, you know? thanks for throwing me in there, Mike. Oh, I, I don't know if I belong, but I'll take it. I don't forget about you, baby. Oh, thank you, man. I, I mean, bro. first off, USC is kicking themselves for not being nicer to their mom, uh, to your mom right now. <laughs> USC, if you're listening, be nice to moms. You might get they some pretty damn good recruits. They're they, they good hands. Let's see that. Uh, how much of a rivalry was West Virginia and Virginia Tech in these days? It was a big rivalry. It was it was a scary rivalry to a point where I heard so many stories about going into Morgantown and you know, it was a myth. It was a saying that they'll flip your bus. You know, so I'm like, man, do I go in here and try to win this thing, or do I go in here and try to just you make it a competitive game? And like, I don't want to get our bus tipped in the end. Like they said, they like acting like you can't make it out of Morgantown if you win. But that was part of the that was part of the the competition, man. Like. It was a rough crowd, um, very intense. And uh, if I can recall, like I kind of struggled in that West Virginia game. Th things didn't really click. If you go back and probably look at the numbers, they, they was probably like very, you know, on par, like just with a bad, you know, average day. But we found a way to win. We had a we had a, um, a late game drive, game winning drive, and a game winning field goal. So that's that says a lot about. Just how competitive the game was, but man, them dudes—they they had a good team, really good team. Yeah, it, I mean, if you look at it, it was a battle throughout the whole game. I mean, you guys picked up a couple chunk plays when you hit up in that play action, hit the crossers. You yeah, had yeah. a couple of big time runs, but it wasn't until you felt snuck, that. Yeah, snickle run down the sideline. Yeah. Well, that was on that last drive. Right. Let's get to that. <laughs> West Virginia, they go, they score. Mark Bolger's in the game the first half. He gets hurt. They bring in some kid no one knows. He comes out, has some hero-type performance, gets them the lead with a minute and what? Was it a minute and three? They left just enough yeah. time on the clock. Yeah, it was for, for, right yeah. They give you a minute. Now, when you have that ball in your hands with a minute to go, everything's on the line. Natty Potential natty uh, appearance. You know, all the bullshit of playing against a team that's not as good as you guys. Like, when you're in that huddle, because I've seen the eyes of the fucking quarterback that is going to lead us down the field. What yeah. are you telling these guys in the huddle? Like, this is college, so it's completely different. Hey, you, you know what's so cool? And I, I'll, ask you, I'll ask you a question for sure. It, it, I was playing that game with a heavy heart. Like, you know, when you were college, you're kind of homesick. You're away. It's my second year. I'm on the grind. Be like eight no. Now we find ourselves in this very uh, unfamiliar situation with the team that we had. Everything out was always blowout leads, big leads, and now we find ourselves in a position where uh, we got to fight to come back, and we got to earn it. We really got to go get it. Uh, and I remember my my grandmother was real sick, had to call my mom. So I remember that like that last drive, just walking into the huddle like. You know, I want to be able to tell her how great this moment was one day. Like, I thought about you in this moment. You know, I know you wasn't feeling well. And then I went in and, like, overperformed in that, in that drive. And thank God we had a great kid. to shout out to Shane Grimm. He nailed the kit. But, you know, I just, you know, I always told my grandmother when I was young that I wanted to play next level in the NFL. And I knew that was one of those moments. Like, if I, if I rise to the top in this moment, and I don't make mistakes and I do it right, then at some point they're going to take into consideration this is my young man understands the game. He got poised and, uh, you know, his, his heart was into it in that moment. And, and that, that, is, that equates to high draft pitch. So 
you know, when I walked into that huddle with Satan Fellas, it was like, we all got a chance to make history. We all got a chance to be a part of something great right now. Like, like don't it feel good, like, to have the opportunity? And, you know, that's what it's about. It's about having an opportunity, though. Take yeah, that's what big time players in big time situations do for their team. I love the background, yo. We got to get you on here. You got to send us something. Yeah, man, let's send you something for the wall. Please, send us something please. for the wall. How was that ESPYs party you two were at together? Crazy. Yeah, it was. Man, it, it, was, was it was in New York. It was during that Super Bowl, I think. It was during the Super Bowl. It's just Cipriani's. Yeah, it was a bunch of good looking people in the building. <laughs> you know this on your great Including night. you too. Yep. It it was fun. It it was it was fun. It was the first time I got to meet Mike and and you know he like I said, Mike's a legend and to see how nice and like humble and you know it was like when you get to meet your heroes it's you usually don't you don't have that like lasting picture in your mind like oh yeah, that's my hero. They always tell you you shouldn't meet your heroes and it was cool to meet Mike and see how just humbling and, and cool he was. He had this just coolness about him, like he has right now. You know, just got that cool smile, give you that look. What's up, man? You know what I mean? It was just well, fucking. Yeah, I always, like I always thought I was cool from afar. I always thought you, you, you and the whole crew, your whole New England crew. You, like, yo, y'all, you know, y'all did it big, bro. You got to get into that too. We, hey, we, we can, we can. Uh, you, you play with Shane Graham. He lines up. You think he's automatic? Because I play with Shane Graham for a year. What were you guys like, all right, we got this. Shane Graham's got this. Nothing like having a reliable kicker, I tell you that. I watched Shane, like, really not missing practice, and I paid attention because I feel like, you know, the kicker is a weapon. It's really a weapon. Think about it. You get a good one. Like, you cross that 50, you get the inching in, almost guaranteed three points. So at the end of the day, it add up. You always got – having a, a swaggy kicker is always – it's always interesting. Because, you yeah. know, a lot of times the kickers get left behind in, in the locker room. There's a lot of guys that are assholes. <laughs> you know what I mean? To have a swaggy kicker that can take the shit and, like, dish right. it also, that, that always makes it well, a little better. I always remember the Peyton Manning thing where he's like, you're a kicker. Remember that guy? The Vanderjack, remember that? Oh, man. Yeah. You know now, what? Go ahead, go ahead. My Jack had his day, though. He had, he, had a good, he had his time. Huh? Vanderjack, he had his time. He had a decent, he had a decent he did, career. but... He forgot that he's still just he's just still a kicker. Like he still got to know your place. <laughs> got to know your place. Like oh. I, hey, I got nothing but respect for kickers. I've had yeah. Steve Guskowski. He's kicked us into game winning kicks and led us into you know Super Bowls. And but you know it, it it's still you still got to know your place. You're not on the field hundred plays a game. Well, yeah. Mike, you were a part of so many cool teams. What where does this stack up compared to you know Falcons, Eagles, like all these cool teams you're on? Where, where do you place this? Well, I mean, you you always think about the locker room like when you when you live in it, it's really cool. But when you when you move on and you think back to everybody like the, the character that was in the locker room, I, I never change the locker room. It was special, man. And a lot of those guys I'm friends with to this day, just like a lot of the guys I, I played with in the NFL. Um, but you know, they all were special in their own way. And um, I, I, don't, I don't know if Julie, you had a chance to experience another locker room. Um, but, you know, when you walk in, it's just, it's just a totally different room. It's a different group of people, uh, different personalities. And, and it's, it, it was always, whether I was with the Jets, the Steelers, man, it was just always love. 
you know, Philadelphia, Atlanta. We had a good time, man, and I, I still love those guys dearly to this day. Now, do you, do you get fired up when you hear the song Sandman? Nah, I be hating. <laughs> I just remember. You didn't have the Sandman when I was there. They like, wasn't there. Oh, this coolness when I'm in. It's because you made the cool. You yeah, set the foundation yeah. so, for the cool. Yeah, that's the, like, I root for tech. I love my alma mater. You see me represented right now. When I hear Sandman, I'm like, I couldn't live that moment. I couldn't get a piece of that moment. Just can't have everything. You can't. You, you got to talk to us about Beamer Ball. How's yeah. old coach Beamer playing for him? I always had so much respect for him. You know, he special teams guy, defense yeah. guy. And then you get to throw a Mike Vick on your team. That's almost, that's like ridiculous. That's why you guys went to the Natty. You know, I was more so proud of the coach because, I mean, I looked at like the 15 years prior and he was always every year just itching closer and closer. So having a chance to compete for a national championship, it's hard to get there, you know, in any sport. You know, we all know it's just so competitive that, you know, every game count, every moment count. And I think coach up until, you know, that season have really made every year count. And was well calculated, especially when it came to recruiting. When he was able to get me there and get a bunch of other good players around me. And we kind of uh, came together with players. It was a good mix of us, guys from Florida, guys from Pennsylvania, a couple of guys from Georgia. It was just a good East Coast mix. And, um, you know, we was able to, to you know, take it one game at a time. And Coach stayed in his lane. He was special teams. He was doing defensive to a T, but Foster had that locked up. So Coach didn't have to do anything, really, other than hold his special teams down and really just be a great leader of men, young men. And he did that to the best of his ability. And he came with a, with a core little group of guys who, like, respected him in the program enough to just, you know, keep our heads into the game of football. And you, you see the butterfly effect of having Michael Vick come to your school. As he just said, you know, 15 years prior with with Beam, they were they were trickling, getting better year in year. But then you look at 2004 to 2011, Virginia Tech has eight straight 10 plus winning seasons. I mean, I mean, who's that? That's that's just straight correlation to having Michael Vick come to your school, ball out, be an icon. What was it like being an icon at such a young age? Having your own, I had your fucking shoes. I used to have your fucking jersey, the headband with the seven. Cover the, of Madden. Cover, yeah, I'm I on, mean, I'm on ready for, fellas. I'm on ready for. There was just a lot, man. Being a, a kid from Newport News and like just didn't experience a lot in the world other than what I was accustomed to growing up in the neighborhood that I grew up in. And then, you know, I'm a good football player to everybody where I, in my hometown. And, uh, you know, I get put on the national stage and, get some coaches who understood me and how to make me great. And they did that. And all of a sudden, I'm the first round pick. And, you know, I got all these accolades and I'm ready to face a franchise. And, you know, you just don't really know what that means at the age of 22. I, I can tell you this, though, if my son was to be put in that position, he'll be ready for it and equipped for it. And he's going to maximize it. He's going to, you know, he try to transcend it to and be a generational type of talent. And, you know, all the fruits of the labor that come along with it. So I was really young. Um, but to, you know, to look back and see that look, there were so many people that believed in me, I think they, they deserve a lot of credit. 
You know, I just tried to enjoy every moment, moment of it and soak it all in. But I really wasn't ready for the media that came along with it. I wasn't ready for the attention that came along with it, the autographs. It was all, it, it got to a point where I was like, I just want to just play ball, man. What was, what was the peak of that? Like people hitting you up. I'm sure like a ton of yeah, celebrities are hitting you up. Every company calling like, it's, you don't realize how blessed you are until, you, you know, like years later, you look back on it. Still blessed to this day. I don't take anything away, but it was overwhelming. It was overwhelming. Like I look back and I see why I was the game. I made the game look so different. It was like, this is the future. <laughs> but that's 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 the thing. Like, I think Lamar Jackson's a beast. He's a monster, and and you know we all see his talents each and every week. But the difference is, is those are a lot of like designed runs. Mike got his runs through like improv improvising. Like if it broke down, then he would take off, and he really did sit in that pocket and try to sling that thing as often as possible. It just so happened that like the three times that he went and ran, it'd be like for 95 yards. So like, <laughs> that's the difference. So you'll take it. You'll take 95 yards. Yeah, but, yeah I'm, uh, ga I'm gassing him when I take off the legs fresh. When I started to realize, Julie, if I come out and I and exert some of my energy, not too much. No, cause my receivers, I, I used to look at my receivers and I see how hard they work and them guys sacrificing, they running. Like, man, I'm going to reward these guys. We got to get on the same page. And it's the quickest way to advance the ball down the field. They professionals, too. Whether I was in college, I'm like, these dudes deserve it. They just running like the track team. So being on the same page with them was extremely important to me. See, at least, at least he gets that because he runs around. He gets how hard it is when you're tired to go right. to the next play. You yeah. know, I remember going out and training with Brady, and he'd run me on like seventy fucking routes at two minute drill. Like that's how <laughs> we would train, and and I'm sitting there like dying, like a, I'm just dying. I'm out of breath, and he's like, "Hey, babe, we got to keep it going." I'm like, "You're throwing the rock, bro. I'm over here running <laughs> 55, 75 routes. Like, it's good to have a quarterback that understands that. You know, thank you. Well, I Thanks. think he did. It paid off, y'all. It paid off quite a bit. <laughs> well, it's nice to know you sacrificed so much for Tom. I hope he's listening so he knows how much you sacrificed, and maybe he'll want to come on games with names at some point. I, it's so hard. <laughs> you know, we, get, we, get, we get Mike Vick. We get both the Peyton or the Mannings on the on the podcast. We get Brewski. Like, it, whatever. We'll, we'll talk we'll about them. Seven Cities Talk. What's What were those stairs? Is, is it in Richmond that I heard, used to um, run? What were those stairs? There's like a fucking – there's a group of stairs or a hill – I went out there. I visited my boy that lived in Norfolk when I was in college. Okay, right. Well, well, I, I don't, I don't know exactly where that's. Trash Hill, Trash Hill. Okay, uh, yeah, uh, in Virginia Beach. Virginia Beach. Mount Trashmore, yes. Mount Trashmore. Yes, 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 yes. Excellent monument, amazing monument. It was yeah. like it was like a, a landfill thing, and it was a big ass. It's hill. Like Mount Rushmore, but with the yeah. shittier presidents. Yeah, it was definitely. But we condition. used to go up and run that thing, and and you'd always hear the the the, the legends of like Vic and Iverson, yep. and all yeah. like the guys that come from the area. Two dudes who were super fast, by the way. So Ooh, that makes quick. you want to run. Yeah, we we believe in that lower body strength. Did you uh you you play against Iverson in, in college or high school? He, he, four, he, he four years before me. He four years ahead of me. So I I just missed him. So when I came into high school, he was coming out. He was supposed to be a pretty good quarterback, wasn't he? 
Yeah, he had some game. Like I, I watched a couple of his films. We dug up a couple of his tapes. He looked real. He was solid. He was elusive. He was dual threat. Dual threat. Pretty sure. good at baseball too. Yeah, Mike yeah, was good at baseball. He chose, right, he chose the right sport. Mike, weren't you pretty good at baseball? I heard you played some baseball. Yeah, I, I was decent in baseball. I couldn't bat. I couldn't bat. I got hit with a pitch when I was eight, and that like, you know how to do man. I, I couldn't. I couldn't recover from that. It was like mental trauma written all over. Lefty, I was bad in lefty. Never forget big dude named Cookie. It's like Caesar veteran coming on. He just, he was, I couldn't hit a lefty. And, and he I'm okay. I'm okay. Right in the end. I can't bat or feel, but I, I could cheer. Pull it right in the I was, I was really good at the, I was really good at the outfield. Got, you probably yeah. covered a lot of ground. You ever play yeah, with yourself in Madden? What's that? Did you ever play with yourself in Madden? Nah, I couldn't. It was hard for me. It was hard for me to try to do what I was doing on the field, the accident field, on Madden. Which who, I should have been the master then? there. I feel like I should have been master there. But now I'm a lot better when I play with Lamar because I understand how to use Lamar, right? But yeah, I couldn't do it with me back in the day, man. So I used to get like Peyton and I used to get Tom and Drew. I wanted that big passing. Remember the passing vision back in the day? Oh four five yeah wide super wide master this there, but I had to move. So it was take your pick. We were we were doing some research, and uh, we were watching that Nike commercial with you, Don Shula, fucking Erlacher, Steve Young, Matt Liner. Yeah, like those were some of the dopest commercials, and you were like the lead. Yeah, man, it was uh. The league put me in an awesome position, man. They, they, uh, they, you know, they, they made me the face of the league. I was the face of the Atlanta Falcons franchise, and you know, we did some pretty cool things together. I was on race to cover Madden, fortunate enough to be a part of that. You know, you just don't grow up thinking that's gonna happen. So when that happened, I was, you know, I got hit with the curse. You know, I got hit with the bad curse. I missed the whole three season, but hey, it was a sacrifice. And I made it through. Everything happens for a reason, as long as we all learn from it. And we and and yeah. just sitting here talking to Mike, man, just the humbleness. I mean, it's it's unreal. It's it's it really is fucking crazy to just get to sit down and talk with. I mean, he's he's one of the greats that that literally has helped revolutionize this game, in allowing guys that are athletic that can take off and run get opportunities to play quarterback. And if you look at the league now. Even our pocket passers, the Mahomes, the the Josh Allens, like the the Mars, all these guys, they can throw the fucking raw the rock, but they it's scramble. because of watching guys like yeah. Michael Vick. Hey, I could run the ball too, you know, and, and that's a huge part of our game now, and it's be largely because of you, Mike. Mike, who are your guys? Like, who are your favorite quarterbacks coming up? Uh, so Randall, Randall, um. John Elway, Steve Young, and uh, who else? The, those three was guys that when I, I looked at my game like this. Like, man, people don't understand how good John Elway was. Like, John Elway was dual threat before dual threat. You know, Steve came along, and I was watching some of Steve highlights a couple weeks ago, and he had some pretty big runs. He was ripping off, like, 30 yarders and... 40 yards, and then, you know, Cunningham came and he he took it next level. 
you know, so I, you know, I used to love more moon because I wanted that pocket pass inside. Like he was like so accurate and, and so smooth and it's, it's just his throwing transition. He became one of the greats. So, I, you know, just watching all those guys and I just kind of like made it just like put it all in the pot and mix it up. And like, I'm going to be a little bit of every single one of these guys. There's an old saying, though, because I was a huge Niners guy. I grew up a huge Niners fan. I grew up in the Bay. And the word on the street is that Steve Young was the fastest guy on the team. I believe it. I believe it. I grew it's up crazy. in that I, I, I get from listening. No, to, no, to, go look at those clips. Go look at those clips, Jay. You're going to see. I lived them. I lived them. Yeah. But I, I, I was a little, like, we, we almost stopped becoming 49ers fans because we were Joe Montana people. It wasn't until Joe broke in or uh, Steve broke in. I mean, that was like a huge. I, I Joe, would do that transition. <laughs> Joe, Joe was literally like fucking. He was like a Brady type. You yeah. know what I mean? Yes. And then they moved on, and it just the you know the cutthroat of this business. You gotta you gotta do what's best for the team, and and they did that. And Steve got his opportunity and ran with it. Well, but it was how like did you always feel like you were like? the fastest guy in the, the field, the most elusive guy. Like you weren't looking at the guy in, in front of you. Cause I know this as a runner, you're not looking at it. You're looking at the, like the three dudes past him. Cause he's automatically going to get shook. Yeah. So yeah. is, is that how it was? I, I knew I was the most elusive. Um, it, it was a, a highlight I had in college and a play that I never forget. in high school, excuse me, I play I never forget. Um, and I went back and watched the tape. And I made a move on like four different people, four defenders. And my high school coach was watching the tape together and he looked at me and he was like, you know, that just don't, you, people just don't do moves like this. You're probably playing in the NFL doing move, making moves like this. So right then and there, I, and I wasn't fast. It was like, it was just a elusive, quick, I was more you quick were fast. Than I was you fast. Were, yeah. Talking from a non-athlete here, it was it was incredibly but, fast. But I, but I always got caught, like if I, if I broke out, you know, scrambling, I broke out, I always would get caught. So I never feel like I had the long speed. It was more so I could get I could get off home, I can get away from him. And then it's tough for you to the, the turn on your jets. So I Do you really not consider yourself fast? No, I never, no I never... Yeah, it might sound weird, but I never considered myself fast, more quick. And to actually answer Julian's question, just the most athletic, the more agile person athlete on the field, I felt like I was that. Like in a in a box, you're not gonna get me in a box. I'm gonna get away from. I, I I just wish that I would make 80 yard runs in the National Football League and then still have the audacity to say I'm not fast. I, I just I, if you're I, not fast, I'm a quadriplegic. All right, I was a loop. And so, <laughs> so that big run against Minnesota that people like to talk about it is one of my least favorites, but it was an incredible highlight. Only because, like, circumstances of how it all happened, and then I had to get. You know, I, I did a lot in that run, and I was really running for my life, like just started running to the end zone with him. I'm, Went through two dudes trying not to get smashed. You know, I'm like, yo, this this is kamikaze. This is crazy. But this is what I do. This is what I get paid for. So my athleticism got me through them. And then I kind of I just shot through a gap, you know, and, and was able to. But it looked fast. I get it. I get it. I and get you, it. And you, re and you can't forget 
I mean, the dude had a a fucking laser as a as an arm. Oh yeah, I remember. I, I remember the on ESPN they would just throw how far you could gun it. It was like seventy Ew. yards. Still, I still could throw it. I still could rip it. Well, we might have to get up, run some routes then. I can still yeah, run them. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do maybe it. Maybe come back. You know, may need a lefty over here to throw to me a couple times. We can go. Maybe line up on the line, see where I'm at. I'll hold up an iPhone just to feel useful. Yeah, <laughs> you can come back. I'm not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> and I got the grin, like shit and everything. I uh, it's all. Hey, Only certain people can do it. That's wisdom. Those those grays on your chin are wisdom. Now, where does this game rank? In in your hokey, your hokey career was this the one that kind of like it was the comeback at the end of the year against a team that shouldn't have been there, but you guys still were able to battle it off, go and get the win when you guys weren't playing necessarily your best football. Sometimes they're the ones that fucking springboard you in to like yeah. your your groove. Yeah, you know it was the the, sec, the last game of the season against Boston College is the one that I really remember for the whole year. Um, obviously, the first game but of the season against James Madison was it was my first start. It was my debut. And, you know, I played a, one amazing half of football, a hell of a half of football, and then I got injured. And then I came back and I was sort of like, I was hurt. I injured my ankle and I was hurt throughout the season, so it was never really a comfort level. Um, even though I was able to accomplish a lot until the last game against Boston College where I felt like I came into that game completely healthy. And it was a game we, we had to win in order to even be considered to play the national championship. And I, I, I think I went 13, 15, 217 yards, three touchdowns, like super focused, locked in. Um, Baker wasn't bothering me. And, and like that game is the game I remember. I remember the sun setting and at the end of the game, the crowd rushed the field and, uh, you know, student body level, rip, they ripped down the, they ripped the goalposts down. It was one of them nights, man. And um, we worked so hard that year to get there, man. And the preparation we all put in together, man. Like, we was able to celebrate that as a team, man. And it's nothing like a team celebration. Man, well, Mike, I appreciate you for playing the way you did, for growing as you have, for being the guy you are, and uh, for coming on Games With Names, bro. I, I appreciate it, man. Change your name. It's official. I love the background. Hey, we See, got, I'm, working on, I'm working on mine. We got to get working, you. I'm working on mine. So, you know. I'm well, send us a pick, an autographed pick or something. We'll throw in the wall. We got You send us something. I'll, I'll send you something if you want yeah. something. I got a, a Kent State uh, Golden Flash jersey. We went well, yeah. six and uh, I believe we went like four and six my senior year. So, like, if you want, you know, like to trade fucking. It's a story behind her. That's all that matters. It's a story all that matters. Yeah. Absolutely. I appreciate you, my bro. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Let me know if you ever need anything. What's the legacy of this game? Just that Michael Vick is... This is Michael Vick before he became Mike, the Michael Vick we knew. This is the Michael Vick developing into the Michael Vick that we knew. Because we saw him, as you say, stay in the pocket, but we also saw him go for some fucking runs. Yeah, like the last drive where he goes, what? Like he's looking downfield, last second, you think, oh, he, he's probably going to get six, seven yards, ends up being the 30-yard gain, sets up Graham for a easy field goal. They go on to win, conclude the season with a win in Boston College, get the undefeated regular season, playing a national championship against Chris Winky and those Florida State Seminoles. Winky. 
Freaking Winky. This rivalry got cooled down over the few years of burning couches, borderline riots. I mean, anytime you get a bunch of West Virginians against Virginians, not from that part of the country, but I can only imagine. It's amazing when places are just like right here and they just hate each other. Your neighbors and you're just like, fuck you. That that that's, that's like, everything. That's everywhere. That's sports. That's it's the Middle East. That's Serbia and Croatia. Yeah. That I mean, and half the time they're the same people. Yeah. I mean, the Middle East. They're both eating the same shit. You're both making falafel. Great hummus. Yeah. But that's the life we live in. Yeah. It's the world. It's a fucked up world. It's a fucked up world. I didn't know we were going global with this shit, but we did. That's the type of stuff you can expect to get from games with names. It's not just games with names. It's geopolitical whatever. We'll do it. Geo Geopolitical whatever. We'll do it. <laughs> so uh, Mike Vick, revolutionary athlete, paved the way for guys. You got to give him at least a nod if you're Pat Mahomes. I think with the improv uh, skill and being able to extend plays, keeping your eyes downfield, I mean, every little kid wanted to be Michael Vick, and, and you're getting all these athletic quarterbacks now that are that are pocket passers, but they're still guys that know how to run. And a lot of that is probably because of Michael Vick and Randall Cunningham and guys in the back pass. Sure. We're not going to have Regency bias, but Michael Vick took it to a whole nother level. And it's cool to hear him say that he likes Steve Young because I can see that. Yeah, 100, a lefty, lefty scramble. running scramble quarterback, yeah. you know, winner, fast guys. I mean, it, it's pretty crazy. And it's also nuts to see the Michael Vick effect on Virginia Tech as before he was saying, like, you know, Beamer was getting it going. They were doing better and better. They go to the national championship in his redshirt freshman year. And then after that, you know, they go to 27 straight bowls. They have 2004 to 2019, eight straight freaking – 10 win seasons that that has to be because of Michael Vick. Yeah. You know, but you know, they, they still don't have that, that natty trophy. They haven't gotten it, but is he the most electric NFL player ever? He's up there. I mean, when, when Michael Vick played in games, you watched. Yeah. Cause at any moment it didn't matter what play, what down and distance, like he could do something special. Yeah. You know, he's got that same thing. Like, you know, Randy Moss or, or, you know, Lamar Jackson, these guys that are just so athletically gifted and such great football players and, and, and have made so many big type plays in big time situations where you just don't know if they're going to do something that you see usually on a video game. It could happen at any moment. It literally, it literally felt like cheat code shit that just shouldn't happen in real life when he played. And then him not even playing with himself in Madden because he didn't like his vision tunnel. Yeah, play with Brady and, and Manning. What a, what a guy! I always thought about that in video games. Like when you played, when you played, would you ever play with yourself? Always. And I'm I'm throwing every time to me. Yeah, every time. Like I I played with uh. I played a game against Snoop in this little uh, Madden Bowl a couple, like a year ago or something or some sometime. I played with the Pats. He, I think, uh, who did he play with? The Chiefs or something? I think I had like 22 catches, 200 yards, five touchdowns. You you had a Megatron game? I was a Minotron game, but yeah. <laughs> Jack, did we forget anything? 
We came up short of the prop bet. Ooh. Uh, only one Beamer ball. Mm. That's all right, though. Um, we were talking about Carlos Santana and Rob Thomas and Smooth. That won three Grammys that year, best pop collaboration. Wow. Record of the year, song of the year. So good year for those two dudes. Um, Tiger won his first PGA Tour event, the 1996 Vegas Invitational, posted a 27 Ooh, under. I can't imagine what happened in that city. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad place to win your first. Um, yeah. For all you people counting at home, we had two quadriplegic mentions this episode. So that's a record, I think, so far. Um, a pronunciation check. Pokemon cards, not what? Pokemon. I said Pokemon. I believe that was Jules, but I do like saying <laughs> man better. It's more fun that way. Well, let's ask the cards how they identify. <laughs> and then last thing, we mentioned Jason Siegel, uh with forgetting Sarah Marshall in a 2008 New York Times interview. He did allude to the fact that this was inspired by his breakup with uh, Linda Cardellini. Linda Cardellini. Oh, I need a, pro- a pronunciation check there. Yeah. You know, Redwood City native, you know. Big fan. She was great in Grandma's Boy. She yeah. was really good in Grandma's and Boy. And Mad Men. She was like late Mad, season of Mad yeah. Men. She crushed it. He was uh, quoted as saying about the breakup, this is hilarious. I can't wait for her to leave so I can write this down. Wow. Yeah, because his dick was out, right? <laughs> I, That's, I that was a scene. His dick was out in that movie when she dumped him. He was butt naked. So that must be what he's referring to. Wow, that is the mind of a who was the, who was the rock star? I don't know who was it. A rock star that she was dating. Let's see. I have to do a little we, more, a little more that. digging. But that, I mean, Russell Brand killed that role, and, and that's also. I mean, like that is Jonah such Hill. A, that's such a. Oh yeah, he was low key like super funny. But that's that's like the mind. That's a comedian's mind where something bad happens, and you're like. All right, good. Like on some level, good because I can use it. You know, you have to think that way. It makes bad things hurt less. Content, you know, content. It's content, baby. That's a joke right there. I remember I had a breakup once, and I was crying when she left me, and I got hard. Well, and I was like, oh, this is a bit. So you have that moment where you're like, all right, thank God. Boner while crying. I'm writing it down. I got a joke here. Yeah. Yeah. Any anytime I got broken up with, I would just put on like slow, sloppy music. And what was your song? A lot of Casey and JoJo. <laughs> oh my love. I love it. Someone uh, let's let's name this game. Uh, the Miracle in Morgantown. What I mean, yeah. What what do you think? Yeah, I mean it's it's the Miracle in Morgantown. I guess. Yeah. You know that's that's what we got. I mean it's we got to score it. Let's get to the. We'll, we'll talk about it more. It's scoring. What do you think is better, the Miracle in Morgantown or the Jamestown Massacre? <laughs> which, which which is better re- name recognition? I'm gonna go with the Jamestown Massacre <laughs> for uh, 200 points, sir. <laughs> Stakes pretty high. This is, I mean, this is high for a Virginia Tech team that has never been to national championship, that was going undefeated, but they were playing against. I mean, it was a rival game. So which which yeah, they have a, a low record, sub five hundred, but they are a rival. So stakes what seven seven five seven five yeah, star power Mike, but it's it's mostly Mike. It's mostly Mike. Five. Six. Kyler, what do you think? Six. Well, that we can't. That was a curve. Clearly, we can't just say what. That's a <laughs> gameplay. Uh. It, Good ending. Great ending. Yeah. That, that last scramble. Rough was... half. Rough first half. So it's like you got to scratch that. I, I go like not super high. Not an amazing, not amazing gameplay. 
Low scoring. Yeah, low score. I mean, you think of Michael Vick, you think of explosion touchdowns. There wasn't many of those, so I'm gonna say probably six point five. Yeah, that's right. The name Eh. five five. What's our grand total, Jackie? Or six? Oh, a flat six. Flat six. Wow. Wow. This This is a good episode, though. He was he was very good. You know, it's it's good it's good to hear from you know guys like Michael Vick about their collegiate days before they were icons, which I think we called them an icon maybe forty seven times. That's what we should have made the prop bet on, you know, an over under of icon calling Michael Vick an icon, and I would have set it at probably thirty two. And that's all for this episode of Games <laughs> with Names presented by Win Bet. <laughs> so uh thank you to all our listeners and our sponsors. And our sponsors, of course, go on and follow us at Games With Names on all the social platforms. Enjoy, like, click, review, unsubscribe, then resubscribe. I'm Julian Edelman. I'm Sam Morell. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you guys, folks, people, later. Thank you.